Blog Talk Radio. It's July 19th. Hello and welcome to Working for a Living Radio Show, where realists for change present opinions that matter. Tonight we're joined by co-host Jeff Brown, and I'm your moderator, Leroy McKnight. Please remember, good leadership is never about power and control, but rather for the honor and privilege of serving the members in the interest of the membership. Working for a living as a member of the Michigan Association of Broadcasters and is syndicated on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, and Listen Now. Also follow us on Twitter. On July 17, 2020, legendary civil rights leader and congressman John Lewis passed away. Working for a Living extends our heartfelt condolences and prayers to his family, friends, and colleagues throughout the many decades of his service. Please let us observe a moment of silence as we revere and remember this wonderful civil rights leader. Thank you. Let's bring on Jeff. Hello, Jeff. How are you doing? Hello, Leroy. I'm okay. How are you? I'm doing all right. Just uh, hanging in and uh, been kind of busy this week, doing a lot of a lot of stuff. I uh, <laughs> uh, my Saturday wound up. Uh, I was on the phone for solid eight hours. Well, nine hours, I guess. Unless figured I don't take a lunch uh, most days. Uh, so. Anyhow, it, uh, uh, sometimes it just gets a little frustrating when you don't get out and, and get the, the lawn addressed earlier in the day uh, when it's cool and have to do it at, you know, the heat of the day at 5.30. So I, uh, upon finishing the, the lawn in uh, 92 degree and probably 95% humidity, I was soaking wet, uh, to say the least. But I'm uh, still in pretty good shape because I, I got it all done pretty timely, and uh, notwithstanding I was just dripping wet, I, uh, I got through it pretty well. So I had a little tune-up and, uh, to do tuning up uh, of the uh, lawnmower in the process. So uh, it seemed like everything was on slow motion yesterday and, and got it done. So anyhow, how was your week? Um, a little busy, not bad. This coming week's going to be busy. Um, just, the temperature is just too hot for me to go outside. It's 90 degrees outside. Um, today we had that thunderstorm go through. You got any of it, but we got hit pretty hard in the Detroit area. Seems like you've been getting... A bad thunderstorm about once a week lately. We need rain, but mm-hmm. we don't need the strong winds or anything like that. So that's how my week went. 
Oh, good. Good. Uh, you know, we, we uh, uh, asked for some input last week on the, uh, the show, and if anybody had any thoughts questions regarding the uh, uh, election itself, and we had some thoughts on that uh, today, uh, and we're going to uh, address those a little bit. Uh, so, um, what's interesting? Uh, you, oh, there it is. Yeah, I got it now. I thought I hit the wrong button. Uh, so, um, you want to, well, I guess we're not going to have any uh, announcements, or, and we have just a couple emails this week. So, let me take the first one. Uh, and again, All we'll right. get into the some of the election uh, questions that uh, are uh, looming uh, based on some of the feedback I got. But we can put those in into the email and comments. I'll just address those in my report. So, uh, number one, please explain more about what the appeal you talked about last week is all about. Okay. So, um, the notion that there are some problems with the, the uh, uh, UAW GM agreement and Ford agreement and FCA agreement because they all have the same language in them essentially in different places and under different titles but essentially the same language um, are, uh, that those are problematic is uh, the, the understatement uh, and the appeal that, that was done uh, and it went in uh, under my name, uh, so I know quite a bit about it as I authored it and, and uh, take all the uh, uh, accolades and hate from it. Uh, so the first element was that there is no codified uh, process for a ratification vote and the public review board, the highest authority uh, in the appeal process, in the internal appeal process for the uh, UAW, is um, uh, uh, on record as showing that they admonished the International Union four times in their decisions regarding, at least four times, there, there are more, but there's four clear ones, uh, regarding uh, that the process is required, and they need to have that codified, and it's still not done. Uh, the second one is that uh, these are items that we talked about at length all last year leading up to the uh, uh, contract negotiations and ratification and uh, result. Uh, and this, the second one uh, or the second element that uh, one of the first items or one of the three items we talked about was this. And Jeff was real clear on, on this in his constitutional uh, pieces that he did, that uh, temporaries uh, essentially are only allowed three consecutive months, no longer than three consecutive months. Okay, and those it says work permits are not allowed, but work permits only go 
the temporary employees that are not full-time, you know, full-time uh, uh, seniority uh, persons. So members, if you will. Uh, so, and then the second one is that there is a piece uh, in the uh, contract that allows, it's called the uh, competitive clause in Appendix K. And that uh, competitive clause allows management or uh, uh, are, are requires our union to make management uh, c competitive. And it's not our job to do that. Our job is to serve the members in the interest of the members. Uh, and then the last one is um, we're required to enforce existing laws and work to repeal laws that are not favorable to the union members, okay, or workers in general. And that, all three of those elements are constitutional elements. Whether they're in violation or not, we raise them as potential violations. I raised them that way. Um, we're not charging anybody. We want to raise these as potential violations of the Constitution as the result of the ratification vote. Now, those are the three. Oh, oh and that, and that. Uh, I forgot to tell you the the the, uh, the biggest thing in the third one is that they placed in our pension agreement, which is a supplement to the master agreement, a law called the Pension Protection Act 2006. That's actually the title of the pension plan section now, and it provides for a. Uh, reduction of pensions by 50% should the funding fall below 80%, and a total reduction of 100% should the pension funding fall below 60%. Okay? Uh, and then uh, it's in the agreement. It is federal law, and everybody points to, oh, we can't do anything because it's federal law. But it's in the agreement. Even if you overturn the federal law, it's still in the agreement. And it's automatic. There's not even an appeal process that would be available under federal law where we could appeal and have it uh, adjusted somewhat as they did with the Teamsters Central Union Pension. Okay, so we couldn't get it adjusted because it's automatic in our agreement. Now, the snapshot date to see whether or not any of those funding triggers have been met is September 30, the last day of the third quarter. And that would get implemented on January 1st if it falls below that between now and then. Okay, so there's a whole lot of folks out there saying that this... Uh, elevated stock market is not going to be here forever. And it's a geometric curve almost straight up and they always fail. That's, that remains to be seen, whatever's going to happen there. But it will affect our agreement. By the way, 
the pension fund since 2009 has been right around $60 billion. The market has gone up 350%, the Dow Jones and most other markets. Pension funds stayed the same. In 2012, late in 2012, I saw a post on one of the financial sites where the corporation General Motors announced some $53 billion in auto-related profit and $18 billion in non-auto-related profit. In other words, over four times more non-auto-related profit. As it turns out, that year, the stock market, Dow Jones, went up, and the SPX, Standard Poor's 500, went up some 30%. 30% of $60 billion is $18 billion, same number of non-auto-related revenue. I said, I didn't say revenue before, I said profit, but revenue. And uh, we didn't see a combined $22 billion revenue, and that's where debt peasants insurance comes in. We don't know what happened to that $18 billion, but we can explain debt peasants insurance to you, and you can make that decision yourself. That's where the corporations take monies from general funds auto or non-auto related revenue, if you will, and go and buy insurance on retirees. Not for the benefit of the retiree, but for the benefit of the pension plan for the executive suite, CEO, president, financial officers, all the vice presidents, some 62 or three of those. By the way, the GM North American vice president resigned in 10 days ago on Wednesday, exactly seven days after Rory Gamble, our president, met with the Justice Department. That's one for you to make a determination on your own about. The appeal was sent to my local then it didn't make action, and then it did. It said you can't appeal something you can't vote on. That's not in the book at all. That's the Constitution, that is. Uh, and uh, you can always appeal results based on constitutionality. Then it was sent to the IEB, and they didn't answer it properly through the uh, executive board, but through an underling appointed, unelected, sent something down that was uh, pretty Bush League stuff, but that wasn't a proper answer from the IEB, and not according to in compliance or conformance with Article 33 of the appeal process, a long-standing, highly regarded appeal process, internal appeal process, that no other union in the entire United States has. It has been sacrosanct since the beginning of the UAW. Revered. 
And upon not hearing a proper answer, I appealed it to the PRB, who sent it back down for the IEB to make a proper answer, and then they sent some damn underlings to send me another damn bunch of bullshit. It violates, on all appearances, all kinds of things. But we'll get into that in a little in another time. So that's where the appeal stands. And we talked a little bit about that last week, uh, what their answer was. So uh, the appeal is on the matter that we don't have an, a codified process, and we needed to have that some groundwork because, you know, how do you appeal something when there's no process to appeal uh, in at least the first step? You want to do it based on other elements of appeal. So uh, then the one, the next one is about temporaries. It shouldn't be more than three consecutive months and sometimes years and years. Uh, you know, these part-time temporaries, so-called part-time temporaries, some of them six, seven years. How do you go to the bank and ask them for a loan for a house or a car? And you say, I work at GM. Oh, you do? Well, how much money do you make? Oh, you make this. Well, that's not that's not GM wages. Oh, I'm a temporary. Oh, we don't loan money to temporary people. How do you justify your life when, you know, arguably, you know, well into 15, 16% of your work career and still not a permanent employee? 15, 16%. So, uh, and then, of course, the competitive clause and then the uh, notion that we're supposed to uh, work to repeal unfair labor laws, not affirm them by placing them under contract. Okay? This retiree did not participate in negotiation or grievance procedures in the contract, leading up to the contract, tentative agreement. This retiree did not vote on the agreement, on the ratification uh, of the agreement. This retiree waited until after the result of the ratification appeal was announced before taking action on items I believe and we believe are Problematic to our or to our contract. Retirees have the same membership rights as active workers, with ex few exclusions. May not uh, few uh, the words are few voting exclusions. May not vote to start or stop a strike may not hold or vote for office that handles grievances or negotiates at the local union level and may not vote to ratify an agreement. Five things. Further clarified in the 2002 Constitutional Convention that also said may not hold office uh, may not hold local union office 
current administration says they want to expand the limits of retirees. They may not expand the limits of retirees beyond what the Constitution says. And I just noticed a new piece on their page that says, tells us how to read the Constitution. The Constitution is really pretty clear. We don't need to be taught and told how to read. Constitution is quite clear. It does have some references back and forth that you have to go look at. For example, the uh, notion that you uh, uh, want to appeal the um, uh, okay for that. It's in the back of the Constitution. Just one second. It's the uh, Oh, it's getting where to go. It's it's not even codified in the Constitution. It's just there, and this just keeps going back and forth. It's uh, the ethical practices. And just took me a second to get. If you want to appeal ethical practices, it's actually not an Article 33 appeal. You have to know that. I'm not going to tell you where it's at because I have too many copy cats stealing stuff off our show anyhow, but it is uh, in a different section of the Constitution, and that's my point here. So, um, But, you know, it's pretty cavalier and dictatorial to tell us how to read the Constitution. Wow. Okay. We kind of get it ourselves, and we know you want to tailor it to, you know, uh, continue your... Uh, Hire uh, your uh, tyrannical leadership, but you can't do that. So, having said all of that, uh, that I hope explains more about that appeal. So, uh, uh, to answer the question completely, uh, and so let's uh, let's get Jeff into this next one here. Question uh, number two, Jeff, on that email. All right. Number, email number two, as I understood your last show, retirees have full rights as an acting worker, except certain voting exclusions. Am I right? Name withheld. Yes, you are correct. Um, as Leroy just explained, there's some things you can vote for and some things you can't vote for. Um, that's we went through it last week, and you were just touched on a moment ago. You are correct. You have the same rights as an active worker for certain voting exclusions. You're right. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, you know, we have, uh, we're going to try and keep this pretty brief, notwithstanding my explanation for that uh, appeal. Uh, and, you know, as you can tell, I'm kind of passionate about this because they actually said that uh, you don't have a right to make a constitutional challenge as a retiree. I beg your pardon. Okay. And we're going to get into that uh, in a in more formal way, but that's what they're saying. And, you know, they're trying to limit the rights of retirees and said you can't run for president, implying 
but you can't run for international president. And the only constitutional limit regarding office is local union office. Okay? Let's all be clear. They're making up the rules as they go along, and they're not even allowing the appeal process to, to go. You know, that having, there's no procedure for Article 33 of proper or improper appeal, period. It's only in Article 31. And only then on charges, proper or improper. So, again, I'm pretty passionate about this. So if I, you know, sounded a little uh, strong about it, I am. And uh, it does definitely uh, get to me a little bit. So, um, and uh, the, the Constitution is a very powerful document. And it flops both ways. You can't just be dictatorial in the administration of it. And if you are, you will be held accountable. You see, one thing I didn't say in that report is, in a democracy, not a dictatorship, there are checks and balances. And checks and balances in our union are done by and through the appeal process, a long-held appeal process that's revered by the rest of the United States unions. So, all right. So, uh, Jeff, you want to go ahead and give your report there? Again, we're going to try and keep this a little short, uh, but we're going, to, <laughs> we're going to get through some constitutional stuff again here in a minute. But go ahead, Josh. <laughs> okay, my report today is about um, Congressman John Lewis, who passed away on Friday night. He's a true legend. American history. Um, he will be missed by many and all. He was one of six members involved in the Civil Rights Act's 1960s. In 1961, he organized a 600-person march across that bridge in Alabama demanding voting rights. Um, most of you have probably seen that picture of him being hit in the head with a billy club. Um, I know he had some injuries from it because he has stayed so. Another thing that caught my eye yesterday was there's a picture, and I just posted it on our page. Freedom, Rider, Freedom Riders arrested on the same day in 1961, and they died died on the same day in 2020, Reverend C.T. Vivian and Representative John Lewis. Um, I don't know the Reverend. never heard of him until the other day. But uh, honestly, he was a good man for sticking up for the Civil Rights Acts. Um, John Lewis, um, he idolized Dr. King. Rosa Parks for their activities in the civil rights. Um, he always said that he would start good trouble, necessary trouble. If he sees something wrong, stand up and speak out. And that's basically the, Dr. King's idea as well. But 
I do know that a couple of years ago, John Lewis were talking about gun control in the Congress. He said a sitting sit-in on the House floor and many other uh, reps, U.S. reps, and a couple of senators sat in to protest uh, protest the lack of uh, leadership in forming some type of gun control by the Republican Party. Um, he will be missed. He's a true legend, known around the world, and um, I will always remember him speaking. So that's my report, Leroy. Um, he's a good man. Very good man. Right. Yes, he was, Jeff. You know, he, uh, you know, when I, when I was uh, more, well, I don't know if I'm more or less active these days, but uh, when I was officially uh, active, uh, I, uh, and in a, in a uh, uh, leadership capacity, John Lewis's name would come up from time to time and issues were uh, brought to the, to the public and you know, to the fore, if you will. And he always had some very poignant comments to make about it that were down to earth and, and rang true to be fair for everyone in the country as he represented his district in, in here, so um, it was always nice to see him weigh in on, on an issue, because you never, never got a curveball from him. It was always straight as an arrow, and to the point, and in the interest of the public, all the public, not just black, red, white, yellow, brown, everybody. And I really appreciate that and that man. And that's first-hand experience. I've seen many Democratic convention functions, many fundraisers, and he was always a stalwart, solid person that you could count on to do what was right when it was not popular and what was right when it when no one was looking. And that's the true test of a man or a woman, is if they do the right thing when nobody's looking, everybody grandstands in front of everybody, right? Not everybody, but a lot of people do. And you know them. Right here in our own union. And then, will they do the right thing when it's unpopular? Nobody liked Gretchen Whitmer. We put out a, a, a declaration of support. We got quite a few signatures. It was unpopular to do. But in hindsight, it's starting to look like it was pretty right thing to do. She might not be the most polished. She might not make all the best decisions. 
but we made a decision to support her. And it's more and more, it was unpopular, more and more looking like it was the right thing to do. That's an example of what John Lewis did all the time, all the time. If it was unpopular, he still made the decision that was right for the entire general public. That's the measure of a good man. When nobody was looking, he was working for the people. This country lost a great man and a leader, even though he wasn't elected most recently. So, again, condolences to his family, friends, and colleagues, and our prayers go to them as well. Thank you for everything you did, sir, for our great country, notwithstanding your detractors and naysayers. We all have them. Thank you. Any more, Jeff? No, you hit it right on the head, Leroy. Right? Yeah. Can't get much credit from that man. Yeah, right, exactly. I, there are a few people that stand out. Uh, and I want to say personal privilege, Jim Cassane was one of those people, and a lot of people in the Lansing area knew him as an international staff rep who did that. He was in the next office to me while I worked at the region. His temporary staff. And we remained friends until the day he died. In fact, I was the last one from the union to talk to him Sunday before he died. He was at a, a, a wedding event at his sister up in New York. And he called me that morning. And it was an honor to know him. And I gave his eulogy and I said, you know, Jim, and I went through some several examples like I just did for, you know, us and, and, you know, in, in relationship to what that meant when I said that about John Lewis, Congressman John Lewis. Uh, uh, Jim Cassane did the right thing when nobody was looking. He could walk into work and he'd try and find that one thing that would give him the edge over management. He'd dig and dig and try and find that leverage. And he always found one time it wasn't used, you know, which is sad. But he always found he was that diligent, determined. And sometimes he did things that were unpopular. You know, so I said that, and other people have said it. I said it about him, and I, I have truly only met a few people that meet that test. There's a lot of grandstanders out there, and there's a lot of ego-filled people. But when you see somebody come in to work at 7 o'clock, you know, to sit there and read the paper, get it caught up on all the local news and national, state and national news, and then, then go to work. Have a little lunch come back, go to work, and the day ended for everybody else 4 o'clock. Well, he could go out and get something to eat and then come back in and work till 9 or 10. Didn't put that edge against management. That's the kind of guy John Lewis was as well. 
But there's few people, you know, I, I witnessed that, partly because I was there in the office, too, when nobody was looking. But I witnessed it, and I could firsthand give the report. And as you said, we lost, you know, we lost a lot of good people lately. So, um, and, and quite frankly, Hussein died in 2011, a while ago. But, uh, you know, John Lewis was one of those people, and I want to reiterate, who did the right thing when nobody's looking and did the right thing when it was unpopular. Al Ali from Local 1112 had that same message on the back of his uh, desk area behind his desk where the credenza is. He had that up on board. Doing the right thing when it's popular is easy. Doing the right thing when it's unpopular is not so easy, but sometimes it needs to be done that way. Like shutting the state down or, or trying to hold the state from coming back too early. Right now, if they do away with unemployment, one week country will go into depression. The bankruptcy rate will be astronomical. Our country's in dire straits, and there are people, people, arguing over doing the right thing in Congress, and they return tomorrow. So this is going to be a critical week for our country, and it would be nice to have someone like John Lewis they're leading the way, even if it was from the, you know, unelected sideline position. The man was just imposing figure for decades and dedicated his entire life to doing the right thing. So, God help me. I just got, I get so passionate about good people like that. Okay, election. Okay, we're going to talk about it. Uh, we've seen some mistakes. I'm not going to point them out individually, uh, but I'm going to read the Constitution that they told us how to read. But telling us how to read. Okay. Section 2, Article 38, Section 2. The election of local union officers shall be, take place by secret ballot during May and June. And installation shall take place at regular meeting following the election, except as otherwise authorized by the International Executive Board. After the deadline on accepting nominations, on, after the deadline on accepting nominations has expired, no election of so-called sticker or write-in candidates shall be considered uh, considered legal. Uh, election of all local union executives officers shall require a majority of the votes for the office. The membership shall be duly notified at least 10 days in advance of the time and place of nominations. A notice containing both the time and place of the election and the time and place of possible runoffs shall be given at least 15 days in advance of the election. At least seven days shall lapse between the time of nominations and the date of the election shall take place. The election officer, 
uh, executive officers and all elected officials of local units and local amal amalgamated local units, except stewards and committee persons, are subject to Article 45, who are subject to for Article 45, who are elected following the 24th Constitutional Convention, shall serve for a three-year term. Okay, so there you have it. That's how it's supposed to go. What that means is that the uh, process is the election committee, who's, and they are elected early in the year, January and February, usually January. Election committee is elected at the local union meeting, and they select a chair from those, those who had been elected. Then... When it comes time close to the election, they submit a timeline, a proposed timeline to the internet or to the executive local union executive board, and they consider it. And if they approve that, it's put sent to the membership meeting for membership approval. Typically, upon approval, a notice goes up that day, and then uh, seven days after that is the beginning of nominations okay at the close of nominations there has to be another seven days lapse between the time of nominations and the election day okay typically nominations are about a, a, uh, a four day process but that's dependent on what is uh, in the proposal but no, you know so again you have 15 days in advance of the election, no sooner than that. So the seven days and the seven days, that allows for at least one day of nominations because you have to have, from the posting, you have to have seven days for prior to the nomination so people can make up their mind because they thought this out well, right? Other people besides current people that are there and the delegates who represent us at convention the last, what, I don't know, 70 some years, whatever we are now. And, oh, 80 some, last night. Uh, so, uh, we, uh, we have another, fifth, another seven days after the last, uh, time of nominations and the election. So, that's a total of 14 required in that, and then it says 15 days. Uh, in, uh, for the whole process from the time of posting to the time of the election. So they're allowing for one day of nominations. But it's typically three or four days for nominations. Uh, so from the beginning or the posting of the approved election uh, timeline, we have seven days that are we wait to make nominations. You have nominations for whatever period of time. It's not specified. And then you have to have another seven days after the nominations close, and then you have an election. Okay, and if necessary, they have a, a, a runoff election. Okay, so uh, in, the off, in, in the term of office is for three years, and has been. Now, the, this can be changed uh, by the International Executive Board. 
The election could be changed from the period of May or June, uh, according to any letter that comes from uh, the uh, that's voted upon and approved by the International Executive Board. And then that that letter, the notice would come from the president of the International Union. That's possible to do all that. Clearly, this year we had a uh, emergency with the COVID. So many of the elections were not held timely. Uh, I am given to believe there is a letter that allowed for this May or June date to be extended to as period of time as required to hold the next election. Uh, I did not see a letter or hear a letter to extend the three-year term of office. So many officers have been potentially, and you know, we don't know, but we didn't see a letter. Could be that these officers have been serving beyond their three-year term of office with no authority to do so. So checks could have been written. And we addressed this back in our May, May uh, show that we had. We didn't ha- we're not having many during COVID because of COVID. And we're trying to set an example not to be doing stuff. It doesn't mean we're not working behind the scenes constantly, all of us, doing a lot of hard work. So uh, we don't know uh, if that letter took place or not. Uh, so, But uh, you must have had that seven days after the posting to the nomination. Okay? And then uh, you must have another seven days after nomination. Okay? The... The vast majority of the local unions understood this process needs to take place. One of the things that uh, the first uh, notice that went out was for a specific date in May or June, and that election in large part did not occur because of COVID. When it did not occur, it got canceled didn't happen. When it got canceled, all the nominations for that specific date, election date, also got canceled. They don't expire, but they do get canceled. And we talked about that last week, that they didn't expire. But they, if it's that, that date got canceled, okay, and didn't, didn't occur, then the nominations got canceled. You can't carry them over. And then you have to reset and start the whole process over based on if you got a letter. And, uh, you know, we haven't seen that letter, but we understand that the letter extending uh, the time frame for the election uh, into a period beyond June, uh, a lot of them are being held last week, next week, and then some of them in August. So please be careful of your own local union having things that seem to violate what this paragraph, Article 38, Section 2 of our Constitution says, if your your election got canceled, you have to restart this entire process over again. Okay? Some understand that, and some have tried to violate it. And those somebodies are going to get called to account on their 
possible violations of the Constitution as written right here in front of you that you heard me read. Jeff, do you have any comments? Uh, certainly I could say Leroy has been there, done that. Uh, Leroy's had the I know you have. <laughs> <laughs> let, me, let me reach out here and see if we can get someone to push their hand up. You know, push your hand up. You, you busy there? You special listener? Where are you at? I scared you last week, didn't I? Drop the phone right out of your hand when I introduced you. Okay, I won't. I won't do that again this time, right here. So, please welcome Mr. Thomas Albrecht to the show, folks. Hi, Tom. Good evening, Leroy and Jeff. Uh, heard part of the show. We had a pretty healthy windstorm here just uh, 20, 25 minutes ago, and uh, had to run around the street collecting my. Uh, Rafts that I have floating around in my uh, lawn furniture. So, missed part of your show, but I'm sure that uh, based on the last five or six minutes, it's a very informative show. Uh, but I uh, didn't catch most of it because of the windstorm. So, uh, everybody's safe. Uh, as far as I know, no tornadoes or anything, but uh, it, it had one heck of a uh, uh, wind. wind uh, coming through before the rains came. So, Right, right. Yeah, the, uh, the new uh, uh, page on the Constitution page has a, a little excerpt there that says, uh, how to read the Constitution. Uh, I'm going, okay, how to read it. Um, okay, maybe it's just me, but <laughs> I'll go with it. Uh, seemed pretty dictatorial and uh, uh, you know, sort of uh, crafted. Listen to how we want you to uh, read the Constitution. And we've already been told that in an, in an answer to my appeal. You know, you don't understand, they said. I do understand. Way more than you do, pal. pals. I'm not even going to call you brother because you don't even deserve it. That out of touch. So, uh, but I, who's counting? Uh, anything <laughs> else? I uh, just want to <laughs> No, I, uh, yeah, if uh, the Constitution spells it out, I think it, 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 it's in layman's terms, it's pretty much self-explanatory. I'm, I'm sure the international said that, that uh, anybody with an eighth grade education probably could figure it out, but uh, uh, I, I don't know what's going on up there, and uh, God God forbid, I think uh, uh, half of the UAW active membership don't understand what, what's going on up there either. Uh, they've lost touch with reality. Uh, it is what it is, and uh, the only thing I could say, uh, I know what the the group that I have been associated with for going on, I guess it's going to go on five, six years now, and uh, does a a heck of a job trying to help people out and get through these uh, uh, roadblocks that are thrown up uh, or uh, to impede them from getting a correct answer or resolution to their problem, either at the national or local uh, levels. But uh, uh, 
I've never met a group of people in my entire life that have been so helpful and willing to take time on their own without any compensation to help their brothers and sisters out as you and Jeff. And uh, I've learned a lot from you guys. I've tried to do uh, what I could, my part, basically, uh, and uh, do things uh, uh, to uh, help you out. Uh, but uh, it's, uh, it's a long journey, and... Uh, it's going to hopefully work out for the best for everybody that uh, is associated with the UAW. It's a great organization. It uh, provided me and my family uh, uh, with a great uh, working place as far as working conditions with their health and safety department. And I'm hearing bad things about that now. This, this new group that's in power, it ain't like it used to be uh, with health and safety in the plants anymore, but uh, I'm sure you get the right people out there. You got a lot of good people out there. I talked to a few of them uh, from time to time that uh, I used to work for, and uh, I know that uh, they're keeping things alive out there. They're they're not just sitting back taking it. They're trying to make change, uh, make changes, or make uh, the uh, local uh, establishment, the uh, corporation, uh, do the right things for the people based on the language that's there in the contract. But uh, and uh, I, th- I think that uh, there are some folks out there that uh, definitely at this point of the game need some help from outside, so to speak, even though the people I'm talking about aren't outside, they're actively still participating in the group, even though they don't like the fact, leadership that is, they don't like the fact that uh, some old codgers are sitting back here looking out for the best interest, not only of themselves, but the active members also. And I think that's what they lose sight of, basically. You know, uh, somebody came back from the last Constitution and told me that uh, they had to give them a pay raise because you got to pay them. You got to pay for good good leadership. Uh, I never heard of buying good leadership before. Usually, you buy a crook. Buy. Yeah. Well, the same guy is in jail or headed to jail pretty soon. I think he's already convicted, just waiting for sentencing. That same guy that we had to pay so much more to get there because he was such good leadership. Did I say that? Yeah. Yeah, I guess I did. I, I, I think, I, I, oh, wow. You know, when you get a hammer out, you usually try to hit a nail with it, right? Right, yeah. yeah. So I think you hit the, the nail on the, the head. Yeah, you're right. I hit the nail on the head with that hammer. I did, yeah. And we carried a pretty good hammer around here. Um, To your point about looking out for everybody, that appeal addressed a temporary situation, and we all know what that's about, especially, you know, these these poor people that have been temporary for so long. And some of the active active members actually say, well, they get what they ask, what, what they want. They get to work two days a week. Nobody wants to work two days a week for half wages. They want a full-time job. They want to be able to support and care for their families and themselves. And then it addresses the entire membership through the competitive case clause. Appendix K clause uh, that is a competitive paragraph section, uh, and it uh, Appendix K is um, uh, something that every worker in the active workforce feels because 
when they combine jobs, that's in the interest of the, making the company more competitive. And that's why you're seeing so many combined jobs and fewer and fewer uh, speed-ups being written when they combine a job because we're working to make them competitive. And then, of course, the appeal also addresses the uh, Pension Protection Act of 2006 being placed in our agreement that cuts the funding levels. You know, somebody asked the benefit rep last week about what the benefit rep thought about this uh, language in our pension agreement that cuts our pensions, it can potentially cut our pension and likely will at some point. And the benefit rep started squealing something about Delphi pensions. They put 3% of their money into that, and that's why it keeps them above the 80% or something along those lines. And I don't know what that benefit's been smoke, benefit rep's been smoking, but he works for General Motors, and the question was about General Motors. Well, he, he he must be talking about the, the agreement that they had at Delphi with their Viva. That's the only thing I can think of, Leroy. Well, it, it, yeah, I, I know, Tom, but the, this was about the a, a question regarding the Pension Protection Act being in our agreement. And he, he went yeah. right, took a great left turn and started talking about another company. It doesn't matter what the other companies do. Yep. It has yep. nothing That's, to do yep. With what's going on in our country, uh, you, you know, that's true. Part of the country. Well, so here again, what what you said, I, I don't. I'm not going to argue with you because you're right on point again. You can't. Yeah, I can't find any argument uh, what you said. But here again, under the appendix K language, and and just what you said, the international should be always looking out for the best interest of the membership. They've got their hands full with just doing that. Let alone, why are they hell? They continually want to look out for the best interest uh, uh, of the corporation in, re- in regards to speed ups. Okay, it, it it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, you know? and uh, the, the, these things got to stop. All right, it's the company's responsibility to, to make itself competitive. Okay, and unless I'm wrong here, Leroy, correct me if I am. I mean, since when do no, we? No, Tom, you're, you're exactly right. We're there to go and, and do the work for a fair day's work. You know, we haven't heard these words for a very long time since Ruther, right? Fair day's work for right. fair day's wage. That doesn't mean you go in there and kill yourself on the on the job every day. And you know, I hear people begging, please, please loosen these jobs up just a little bit. You know, it, it's killing my hands, my elbows, my shoulders, my legs, my feet, my hips. You know. Please get them to just loosen them up a little. They've got them Here's so the other tight. Yeah. Here's the other factor, Leroy. You're, you're, you're hitting it again on the, on the head. What about these poor kids that come in? They're hired after 2008, and, and they have nothing to look forward to. I mean, they have no pension. They have right. no uh, medical benefits. Not to right. my knowledge. When I left there, they had nothing. And they're abusing and those it, people. Where is the union at in, in regards to those issues? You know, the union is all of us together, all right? We all should be paid the same. We all should be treated equally. The only thing that comes into play where is seniority for jobs. 
And Tom, even when you and I came up, there was a brief probationary period, you know, the 90-day period. It's still in the agreement. It's just circumvented by this, you know, all this other language, you know. And, and regarding the appeal that I wrote on the three, the four elements, the three, you know, con, uh, contract elements, the, the people that responded had no shame in the actions only to say, you can't make a constitutional challenge against us. We're better than you. We can do what we want, and you can't challenge us constitutionally. Isn't that just disgusting? He just, he just told you, he just told you, you work for him, he doesn't work for you. That's what he told you. You work for him. He doesn't work for you. Period. It's, and dictatorship. What does that sound like to you? Huh? A dictatorship. That's what we're paying the rent. That's what we're paying. We're paying the pay raises to get that answer. Instead yeah. of them and, getting and also, yeah. representing us, they're getting dumber. Yeah, right. And it does sound like the orange man down here in Washington, D.C., doesn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And well, we, we don't want They want to get rid of him, and they sound more and more like him. Yeah. Well, well, I, I think it's the LED lights. I really do. I think it's the LED lights. <laughs> Make, well, the, it, 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 uh, <laughs> the women know what it is. It, it's spray on tan. It's it's what it is. Yeah. I mean, they, they've totally in the pages. They've they've uh, you know the Facebook pages. That's that that website there. That everybody, I'm, you know, because they're going to be listening to this stuff for centuries. Because yeah. this is being archived in a way that people can listen to it for centuries. And when they go back and they say, well, what, what pages were they talking about? Well, we have to be clear and, and clarify. Facebook is a website, and there's a lot of social media interaction there. And the women on, on the pages of website pages of Facebook have uh, <laughs> been talking about how he, he has this sprayed-on tan, and it looks orange on him because of his own <laughs> personal coloration. <laughs> Oh my God! So now, now when you get to this 250 years from now and determine that we were right and the the bastards in charge now were wrong, uh, you'll know what we were talking about. (laughs) What we talked about under current 45 President Trump, uh, number 45 President Trump, President Crazy Donald John Trump. Uh, and, and, and his his suntan that looks orange, Chris Spade on suntan that looks orange. So, uh, that's you know that's not the meaning. You know I I, I got in a, a lengthy conversation. I'll digress here just a little bit. A lengthy. I was up north in a tiny little bar, you know, and I don't want to get into where that was. And there were uh, one, two, three. Uh, there were started off five of us and a bartender, and turned out to be three of us and a bartender, and one of them was my pal who just got hospitalized tonight that I've been, uh, he's a shut-in, that I drive uh, 120 miles one way. His driver was sur- had surgery, so 
the past few weeks, I've been driving up every couple of days uh, to make sure that he can get out and get his uh, supplies and needs and stuff and just to get him out of the house and take him out and get something to eat because he's a shut-in himself. He's an iron worker that's full of titanium, all of his joints, etc. And I've done that for several of my friends over the past year. I uh, do a lot of driving to tend to their, their, their needs when I can. Uh, and in this instance, his, his own driver that kind of takes him around that he, you know, pays some money and buy, bought a car to do that. So a uh, very nice uh, person, wonderful human being, uh, but that person had surgery. So I had him in tow in this little bar. In fact, he's the reason I was there. But I was there with this, uh, you know, delusional, self-entitled person who uh, is uh, blinders on and started talking about Black Lives Matter and Trump this and Trump that. And I said, you know, I mean, he has some good points. His intention of bringing jobs back to the United States it, there's nothing wrong with that, not not a bit, and I agree with that intention. I have some issues about. I personally have some issues, and I think we do as a as an organization now, that working for a living now that everybody understands what the global tax imbalances are, and uh, the rest of the world on sales tax and us on payroll only. I explained that to him. Then I explained debt peasants insurance to him. He's, he's just, his mouth dropped wide open. He says, what's going on? I says, yeah, that's really going on. And I says, you can't get sucked in to these sound bites about Black Lives Matter. That's it, important. And it's, and it's sad what's going on. It has been going on for decades. I know black people that won't drive on the street, and they actually have a network here in Lansing, Michigan, to call one another and report where police officers are so that they can actually drive without fear of being picked up, harassed, and or incarcerated for no, no real reason. And that's sad. And that's been going on for decades. So it's important. I told him in this Cavalier moment, don't get sucked in on all this. And I explained it all to him. And, you know, I was up there. That was a week ago, Wednesday. I had to go back up there Tuesday night for supplies for my friend. And we stopped in, and he was there. And he was quiet as a church mouse, listening to what I had to tell him, what was going on in our country with the sucking of trillion dollars a year out of our bucket in trade deficit. And I told them how to fix it. Charge their tax, their sales tax, because if they don't sell it in their company, it never gets charged. It comes over here with no cost to government, no tax on it. Charge it their ta- sales tax at our border and just give the money back to them. It stops the dumping in our country. And we never see the difference Okay. Yeah, price goes up a little bit, but not like what's about to come. Wait until you see this inflation level. Jimmy Carter printed a bunch of money in the late 70s, and we saw 20% interest rates in the early 80s. 
so far we're looking at what three something trillion and another three trillion on the way this week, probably. Six trillion this spring and then early summer. You want to see some inflation? You sit back and watch. And those of you that aren't prepared, I feel real sorry for you. And those retirees that are unwitting and they're told everything is going to be all right, and so go over there and just beat the shit out of Leroy because you retirees are getting defiled by Leroy? Me? Oh, when that rooster comes home to, you know, sit on his roost, you're all going to have a whole lot different tune when you lose half your pension and then all of it. And those bastards that's been telling you how bad I am, no good rotten sons of bitches, you will hate them for the rest of your life. I guarantee it. It's coming. But all we have to do is one at a time add sanity to people who are so focused on sound bites, we can get our country back. And that's what happened with this one single person. He sat there like a church mouse, quiet as a choir boy, and respectful as you cannot possibly imagine from what I have imparted into his uh, data set. In other words, he had his database, if you will. He found out new things, and it scared the living shit out of him. That's what it did. So that's just a little bit of my week, last week and this week. Okay. Uh, I'm done ranting, Tom. Anything else? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, be careful, Jeff. Be careful now. <laughs> I know nothing. I hear nothing. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready for the recoil myself. You know, I, I I was waiting for the old foxhole talk. You know, I, you know, I know where that guy's going. You know, uh, uh, the enemy's over there calling, telling his mother's. She she wears false teeth, and the guy next to me jumps up and gets shot in the head, for Christ's sakes, you know. <laughs> I carry my gun. I have a I have a CPL. I carry it everywhere I go. Just everybody be on notice. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, You're not the only one. You've always... You, you always will have my ear, and there's always a laugh at the end of the conversation, no no matter how uh, uh, harsh or, or what the outcome is or the forecast of what, what possibly could happen. You you always somehow inject laughter into the conversation, and, and what you speak is the truth. I think we were talking about it maybe a week or two ago, a friend – uh, piped in on one of the posts I put on about the, the bank, banking system in, in this country and everybody wanting to know why the 
stock market did not crash with all these numbers of people that are on the unemployment rolls. And uh, there were there were a couple uh, answers in there, and then one of my friends piped up and he hit it on the head, and and I, I had some conversation with you about it, and you said that friend of yours is exactly right. Uh, this time the money instead of going bailing out General Motors, Ford, Chrysler, whoever you know, the the big banks, Wall Street, the money went right to the people's hands, and the people determined sure. how they were use that money you you remember that conversation i i do and we addressed that last week in in the velocity of money problem that the country has uh there's not enough money in the hands of the people to sustain our vast economy and you don't have an economy unless you have people buying stuff it's that simple you know and they don't have enough and and your friend that posted that was spot on that's basically what we what we addressed last week and just addressed it again today. But, uh, you know, some of the folks out there are getting it. And, you know, I've, I've, uh, you know, I do a little bit of Uber from time to time. I'm not doing it now because of COVID uh, and I'm old. So, you know, I'm an at-risk person in a small confined place with potential COVID uh, uh, carrier or, uh, you know, already sick. Uh, but um, uh, I'm hearing it from our own UAW brothers and sisters about the, the tax imbalance, and the only one that's educated folks about that is us, because it's unknown entity to most others. Uh, so well, I'm I'm pleased to hear it coming back to us, son. You know, and by the way, uh, you've been associated with this group like it's some entity out there that you're not a part of. Hey, buddy. <laughs> Go ahead. I know one local union's newspaper come out, uh, one 
you know, we won't get into who and what and where and why, uh, but it, the, uh, the text of it is, you know, learn more about your union. And it describes every uh, major job at the local union. And it's really kind of a nice piece. I, I'm real proud of that person for doing that. So uh, just, just know there's some really good things going on in our union, a lot of them. The people at the top have lost their way. And they're starting to get under my skin about it. And that's not a good place to be. You don't tell me I don't know how to do something and I don't understand. Because I do understand. I've got I got more time in the shitter than most of you guys got in the dawn on the floor. Some of you, I've been retired more than you got time in, in the damn organization. And I've been active my entire retirement. If you recall, I'm the one that sued over the Viva. The only one out of a million retirees who initiated legal action. Not about me. It was about the million people. And I worked hard on the case personally, doing a lot of illegal clerking. So I know that case inside and out. I just didn't become a... uh, class representative and sit out in a lawn chair somewhere up north and never make not a single court hearing. I made them all. But the class representatives were sitting around drinking beer and looking good in the sun and demeaning me. You know, it's a long, long battle, like Tom said. And we're already seeing people at the top regretting what they've done. And there's a long, long, longer way to go for some of them. And there will be, in my opinion, many more arrests. This isn't over by a long shot. They have loaned themselves $71 million in their two for-profit corporations. And they are going to criticize me. They want to stay in power so they don't have to pay it back. Because then they'll just have to claim bankruptcy. Right, guys? We know the game that you're going to play. And I've been involved in such a case in bankruptcy court Federal District Court, Western Michigan, in Grand Rapids. Legal clerk for the case. And we know how that's going to go. And it's not going to go in your favor. Fraudulent transfer is what it's called. Go ask your legal team about it. Some of them won't even know what it is. That's what we bring when we get to leadership. How to straighten it out. How to hold people to account. Do you really trust your international union is the question. Do they give you good answers? Are the answers you get viable answers that you could use for the benefit of the membership that you represent. 
U.S. answer those questions. Then take a look around the landscape. See who can. All right. Well, I didn't want it to be this long. Jeff, you got anything else to say there, buddy? Got your helmet on? (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to get it on here in a minute. (laughs) (laughs) I got body first. Yeah, body, oh my God! Body, Michigan, Michigan Wolverine coming. Well, you got a Michigan Wolverine coming. Okay, we need a Michigan Wolverine helmet. Yeah, I got that coming. I put it here. Take a picture. Post it on Facebook and make it. Put it up on the next radio show notification. <laughs> uh, hey, 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 Leroy, I'm in trouble here. I am in big goddamn trouble. There ain't nothing I can do to protect myself from him. I'm just a Buckeye nut. That's right, you're all nuts. <laughs> he's going he, to claw the shit out of me. <laughs> you guys have a good week. Listeners, please have a good week. All of you globally around the world, uh, you know, we, we really appreciate you listening. Uh, all of our North American uh, listeners, actually Mexico and and uh, Canada, of course Australia. Can't forget you uh, in there too, and we uh, all of Europe and most of Asia and even some Africa. Uh, there, so, so thank you for listening. Uh, Norway, shout out to you guys. Thank you for all the. You know, the private messages you send. Uh, we really appreciate it. And uh, uh, especially to our workers in the United States of America. As we said last week, let's focus on the issues that affect labor and working people in this country. Thank you for listening. And stay safe in the coming week. And, and you know, social distance. I mean, this is getting really bad. The numbers are, are bad. Businesses are shutting down left and right again on their own. Uh, so stay safe, and God bless you, every one of you, and whatever your God is. You know, or if you don't even have God, pray to something, because we need every God's prayers. Thank you, and have a good week. Good night. Good night, everyone. Good night, Leroy and Jeff. Good night. Good night, guys.